Welcome back to the Daily Devotion. My name is Kevin Hell. I'm the pastor of Christ Church Conway, congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America here in Conway, Arkansas. The Daily Devotion is a time for us to be strengthened in our faith through the study of scripture and theology. We're working our way through the book of Galatians. It's an incredible book that we've said many times is outlining the, the just the pure gospel. This, this gospel and this kind of just distilled down form, driving at the reality of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, reminding us that it's not what we do that gives us standing before God. It's what Christ has done, what he did in history, his life, his death, his resurrection for his people. That's how we can have any standing at all before God. And this is the issue that was at stake and at work within the, the Galatian church. As the, we've talked about, the Judaizers came in and, and were adding works to the gospel and saying it's fine, essentially, it's fine to believe in Jesus, but you need to do these other things also. Here, Paul is pushing back against that in, in a very direct and forceful way. We've come now to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 21 through 31. This is a long section, but I want to consider it all in kind of one fell swoop because I want us to see this one big idea. There are a number of contrasts that are set up, but I want us to see this one big idea of the contrast between slavery and a child of slavery, a child of our works, and a child of promise because that's what Paul is driving at. He's wanting us to understand that with, with being a child of promise comes freedom. So let me pray for us, and then we'll look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 through 31. Father, we thank you for your word, and I ask that you would strengthen us by your spirit, that we might understand your word, that we might have confidence in your promises, that we might live as people who are free and who are no longer enslaved under the law, no longer condemned by the law, but filled with your spirit, made alive by your spirit in Christ Jesus. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 21, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Well, here Paul is dipping back into the Old Testament once again. He dips back into Genesis to this story of Sarah and Hagar and uses that as this kind of basis for this point that he's about to make. 
But then he also dips back into Isaiah in verse 27. He gives this quote from Isaiah 54. And then he gives another quote again from Genesis in the Sarah and Hagar story at there at the end in verse 30. The point that he's trying to make in all of this, and, and, and again, there are a number of contrasts that he sets up. There's the Jerusalem, you know, the earthly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, or the Jerusalem from below, the Jerusalem from above. There's these two covenants that he sets up that, that commentators see as, as the Sinai, Sinaitic or the Mosaic covenant and the new covenant or the Abrahamic covenant and, and see correspondence between uh, you know, these different pieces and contrast between these different pieces. But the real contrast that he's setting up, we see in verse 23, uh, verses 22 and 23. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. The one, the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. So there's the basic contrast that Paul is setting up here. Is that, and if we think back to the story of Sarah and Hagar, we, we begin to see what Paul is doing here. God had promised Abraham an offspring. Now, th this is you know, a significant promise because he and Sarah were old at this point and she had been barren. They had never had any kids, never been able to have any kids. And she was past childbearing age and all of these different things. The reasons that she shouldn't have been able to have a child at the point that she's receiving these promises are, are myriad. But God had promised, the Lord had promised, you will have a kid. Well, as they're looking about, trying to figure out how is this going to work, he sees that I don't have a child, you know, and he has the, the whole speech with God where, you know, the only heir I have is this Eliezer of Damascus, but, you know, and 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 so he, he and Sarah hatch this plan that he'll go sleep with Hagar, one of Sarai's, you know, handmaidens. He'll sleep with her and have a kid with her and basically him and Sarah will adopt this child as their own. So basically they come up with, with a surrogate motherhood kind of plan. So they do. Hagar gets pregnant. Ishmael is born and they're like, ah, we've got an heir. The promises can continue. But then Yahweh comes and is like, no, this is not how this was going to happen. I said Sarah would have a child. And so then, lo and behold, she does. I am Isaac, the son of laughter, because Sarah had laughed when this promise was made, and all of these different things. So you've got these two realities. You've got Abraham and Sarah trying to bring about the promises of God by their own work, by their own fleshy endeavors, by doing the things that they're like, oh, well, this makes sense. Here, we'll secure the promises of God. He clearly needs our help. And then you've got Isaac, this child born to this elderly barren woman, according to the promise of God. God didn't actually need their help to bring about his promises. What he had said he would do, he did. And so Paul picks up on this story and says this can be interpreted allegorically or typologically. Different people translate that different ways. Well, what he's saying is we can read this story theologically and it makes a point for us. He's not denying the historicity of this story in any way. He's simply recognizing that theology was being done through this historic narrative. And the theology that's being done is 
is this contrast between what we try to do in our flesh to bring about what God has said he would do and what God does by his promise. And Paul, you know, equates these realities of these two children born to Abraham to Hagar, the one who's trying to bring the, the will of God about by fleshy works. He equates that with keeping the law and slavery to the law. She, she's the slave woman, she's the servant woman, and so if you go that way, then, then you also are a slave. And he says that's the covenant at Sinai, that's the Mosaic covenant, that's the law. But the son of the free woman, he's the child of promise. And so Paul is setting up this contrast between our efforts at keeping the law in order to somehow try to bring about the will of God for us, in order to try and bring about his grace and his promise of salvation by our law keeping. And he's contrasting that with actual faith, trusting God that he will do what he said he would do. That, that we do look to him in faith, and that's how his promises of salvation are secured for us, not by our law-keeping, which he's making very clear in this passage are necessarily fleshy endeavors when we're pursuing those things for our salvation. What Paul is wanting us to see here is that, that our attempts to keep the law in order to bring about God's will for the salvation of his people, that that is necessarily, just like Abraham sleeping with Hagar, that is necessarily an endeavor of the flesh. It's not taking hold of the promises of God. There's this clear, you know, what some people would call a law gospel distinction being set up here. There, there's a clear, you know, works grace distinction being set up here. There, there's this clear distinction that Paul is wanting us to see that taking hold of the promises of God is not done by our performing so that God will give us the promises. Our works do not secure his promises. His faithfulness to his people secures his promises. That's what Paul wants us to understand. The promises of God are not secured by our faithfulness. The promises of God are secured by his faithfulness. And when we get that wrong, we're enslaving ourselves again to this law that Christ came to free us from. This is why he says in verse 31, So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. He's wanting the Galatians to understand that doing what they're doing, returning again to the law, going back to that to, to secure themselves and to secure the promises of God for themselves is to enslave themselves again, to give up their freedom, to give up the very promises of God that they're wanting to take hold of. Again, this point is being made that you simply can't secure the promises of God by law. It's either by promise or by law. And he's reminding the Galatians and telling them and telling us that we're children of the free woman, that we haven't taken hold of the promises of God based on our faithfulness, but based on his faithfulness through Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again for us. 
So what we're going to look at next as we jump into chapter five and beyond is what does it mean? Excuse me. What does it mean to live with that freedom? How do we take this reality that Paul has been laying out of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, of being children of the free woman, being children of promise? What does it mean to, to believe that and live in light of that? That's what we're going to get into next. So stay with us as we jump in on uh, Tuesday, I think, of recording these early to Galatians chapter 5. May Christ be with you. Thank you.